1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we're going to be answering your calls and questions as well as getting through a stack of emails and messages that I have gotten and that's great. It makes me so happy to see people um, sending those messages in so that we can tackle those. If you have a question or a comment for us, you can give us a our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can email us, fit at mpbonline.org Or you can go over to my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie And interact with us that way Good morning, Kevin
3: Good morning, Josie Hope you're doing well this morning
2: I am What, what awesome adventure did you do this weekend?
3: Uh, My friend and I went to Lake Lincoln State Park in Wesson, uh, and it was the first time actually that my Garmin that I use, you know, to navigate some of the back roads of Mississippi was completely and totally wrong. We (laughs) came to a road that had one of those, it was, you know, the road and it was a left and right, and it said, go straight, and I'm like, no, we can't do that.
2: (laughs) Can't do that, friend. That's not, that's not right. Yeah, that, you know, that happens from time to time, but, you know, uh, an adventure you had, I'm sure, and I always enjoy seeing those, um, those posts. Uh, it gives me inspiration for getting out and, and getting active, and that's something that is so very important right now. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of emails and messages through um, through Facebook over the past week, and so we want to get to some of those. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we follow up on a caller from last week we had a caller who uh, was asking about a way to track distance on his bike that he had um, had made stationary for for inside riding, which was a great way to do that. uh, Since it's so hot outside, he didn't feel like it was appropriate for him to be riding outside, which is great. Um, And I was not aware of any any particular device that would do that. So I did a little digging and there's actually a, and we talked about a Bluetooth maybe being part of the solution. And there is a Bluetooth um, little device. It's called Wahoo, W-A-H-O-O. And it comes in different, different varieties, but the one that looked most promising to me was the Bluetooth speed and cadence. Sensor. So it would um, measure kind of your pace that you were doing as well as the distance. And it didn't look too obtrusive. It kind of clipped right on the um, little crossbar. Um, to be able to to capture some of that kind of stuff and it talks to whatever smart device you download the the app to and it wasn't terribly expensive depending on which bells and whistles you got to go along with it it was somewhere between around 30 to 50 bucks so I have not I have not tried it um, and so cannot endorse it but it uh, looked promising based off of some of the reviews that were out there so maybe that would work for that gentleman there hope so if you try it out be sure and send me an email or call us back and let us know how it went there. All right, so we've gotten I've gotten lots of, of messages and they're kind of broken into into different groups. We've got some that are COVID related and we've got some that are um, more general health and and wellness related. And so we'll kind of pop back and forth between those two so we don't get bogged down in any one particular thing. Um, but if you follow me on social media, you see me post lots of of food pictures and lots of recipes and that type of thing. And one of the things I use so often is an air fryer. And so I get a lot of questions about air fryers. um, And one of the questions I get asked is, is it worth the investment? And what the heck do you cook in it? (laughs) Because um, we've had folks who maybe have gotten them for wedding presents or other gifts and those kinds of things and not, uh, not know what to do with them. And somebody the other day actually told me that they had given theirs away, which just broke my heart because I absolutely adore my air fryer. And out of seven days out of the week, I probably use it five days of the week. I really do. Um, but not, uh, not really for, for frying things, so to speak. So um, the first question was, is it worth the investment? And so that really depends on what your goals are, um, what types of foods you cook and enjoy and you know, what your, your weight loss goals are. So if you're looking for ways to do low fat cooking, um, it absolutely could be a big, um, have a big impact for you and be a good return on investment. Um, You can get them depending on how fancy you get them. And if you can get them on sale, you know, somewhere around 50 bucks or so for those. Now I have, um, I have the Ninja Foodie and it does three things. It's um, a pressure cooker, it's a slow cooker and it's the air fryer. So it was, it was quite expensive. Um, it, I did not purchase it for myself. I would not have, um, I would not have purchased something that expensive, but it was a, a gift from my mom. When I told her I wanted an air fryer, you know, mamas, they go, uh, they go overboard. <laughs> and so she got me top of the line, uh, but I absolutely use it almost every single day. Um, so it could be a, a good investment for you if you need to. And then, um, you know, what do I cook in it? Well, just about everything. But one of my favorite things to do in it is potatoes. So um, I, you know, I love potatoes. They can be a part of a balanced diet, especially if they're not deep fat fried and covered in in cheese and sour cream. So um, I do uh, my version of kind of home fries or hash browns every single weekend and sometimes um, during the week as well. And it's just I start with Yukon gold potatoes because there are creamier and butterier tasting is that a word butterier yeah we're going with it butterier tasting potatoes um and i just scrub them real good leave the peel on chop them up into about a you know an inch to inch and a half dice and put them in my little air fryer basket and then i sprinkle them with um low sodium tony's um tony sachets or however you say that one uh, and put them in for about 15 minutes and they are crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside. And just one of my absolute favorite quick um, side dishes. You can also bake a whole potato in there. You know, you just got to puncture the holes uh, in there to let some of the steam out, throw it in. Um, That one takes longer about 40 minutes or so in the air fryer, but the skin gets really nice and crispy. And I'm one of those people who likes to eat the whole potato on my baked potato um, so it gets nice and crispy on the outside, and it's just—it's really good. But almost any vegetable you can throw in there. I've got lots of recipes over on, on that Facebook page, Healthy Habits. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the air fryer.
3: Could I jump in I here a minute, uh, Josie? You
2: can always jump in. You're, you're in charge.
3: Um, I've got an air fryer. I like to use it. I found that there are lots of recipes online. One of the ones that I liked is was. Um, I bought some broccoli and put that in there and put a little seasoning in there and so sort of a roasted broccoli. Um, When I was doing the uh, Blue Apron, you know, the the bring it home thing, I discovered Mm -hmm. great roasting vegetables I had never really explored, but uh, it's it's wonderful and so it's good for that. Uh, My only drawback or my only advice I guess to someone would be buy a size larger than you think what you might need because mine is a it was the larger one up the one I thought but it's still the basket is a little bit small I wish I had a little bit of a bigger one so that you can cook more um, more um, servings at a time but I like it and it's kind of very easy to use it's a dishwasher safe uh, so it's easy to clean up but like I say my only sort of somewhat regret would be that I didn't get one that was just a little bit bigger
2: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that as well, because you don't, especially if you're doing vegetables or something, you want to be crispy. You don't want to overload the basket because then the ones on the top are going to get crispy and the ones on the bottom are going to kind of steam and get and get soggier. Um, So a bigger basket or mine comes with like a second insert that goes down in the basket. So you've got like two levels. Uh, of cooking so everything gets nice and crispy all around there all right we're going to hop on over to the phone lines and talk with Aaron this morning hello Aaron
0: hi how are you I'm great how are you I'm doing great and I have a question all right I
2: might have an answer let's see
0: okay Uh, my wife and I are in our 70s now and we've noticed that our appetites have kind of changed and we, we don't Care for meat like we used to, and we're getting to the point where two and three nights a week, we're just eating vegetables or fruit. My concern is, I was as a young man or a child, I was taught to eat a balanced diet, eat all the food groups, and it, if I went and really cut back my meat, is there anything up my body will be missing that I wouldn't get from meat, and is there something... Vegetable and fruit, I can substitute, and I find it hard to believe that meat absolutely has no value in our diet. Uh, so, can you enlighten me on that?
2: Absolutely. So, you know, I I don't eat meat, um, and so it absolutely can you can get a balanced diet uh, by doing that. But you do have to pay attention to what you're subbing in. So, when I think of food. We try not to think of it in terms of just meat or vegetables. Think about it in terms of the macronutrients that are in those things, because that's what our body needs in terms of a balanced diet. So carbohydrate, protein, and fat, and then the micronutrients. So the vitamins and minerals that are in there, your iron, your calcium, your vitamin D, you know, all those different kinds of things. And so when we look at individual foods, we have to look at the nutrient package. So what comes in that? And so when we look at meat um, protein is usually where we is the, the main macronutrient in, in the meat. And, but we got to think about what all it comes with, right? So depending on the cut of meat or how it's prepared, it's also going to come with some fat and usually some saturated fat as well as some cholesterol But you're also going to get things like iron um, in in those meat-based products as well. So we've we've got that. And then we can look at kind of an equivalent uh, protein source, say maybe a bean or a legume, right? And so it's got the protein in it. um, It also has fiber in it. And it doesn't have any cholesterol or saturated fat usually. So if we're just looking for a way to put protein into our diet or make sure that we get enough protein, then the plant-based version um, is going to be heart healthier, so to speak. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have meat um, or that, you know, people are bad if they choose to have meat, but we want to pay attention to the kind of amount of animal products that we put on our plate because when we add multiple animal products, we're going to consistently increase the cholesterol or the saturated fat content of that. So when I see people who are wanting to pull meat out of their diet or just pull back on the amount of meat in their diet, kind of like what you guys are talking about, then we want to make sure that we're getting enough protein from plant-based sources. And so um, the big ones are your beans and your legumes and your peas. Um, are going to have the biggest bang for your buck in terms of of protein. But whole grains also have protein in them. And then just some of your other, you know, green vegetables have have protein in them as well. So um, I usually always make sure that we start a meat-free meal with some type of bean or legume, lentil, something like that. Even if it was a veggie plate that you did black-eyed peas and cabbage and turnip greens and, you know, a little piece of cornbread, we would have gotten um, the protein from those black-eyed peas. So, it absolutely can be built um, um, without meat if that's something that you're desiring. We just want to make sure you get the protein that you need. Does that help?
0: Okay. That that really does. What about nuts? I've always heard yes. nuts are pretty good for you. Nuts are good. They have,
2: yeah, they have a they have protein in them, and they also have fat in them. The deal with nuts is, if you're trying to lose weight, then we have to be careful how many nuts we eat for folks, just because there are a lot of calories in a small amount, so they they sabotage weight loss efforts. Um, But that's Mm -hmm. usually one of the proteins that I have with breakfast is I have nuts or nut butter. Um, with my breakfast to get get my protein in there.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, you answered my questions and I appreciate it. And I think we really are we're not going to give up meat altogether, but we're going to cut way back, I believe. So.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, excellent. And you know, if you if you have any other questions about it, feel free to send us an email fit at mpbonline dot org. I'll be happy to send you some plant centric uh, meal ideas.
0: Okay. Okay. I'll do that. All right.
1: Thank you very much. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
3: Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: For tuning in, you're listening to Southern Remedy: Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we've been answering your questions and calls this morning that have come in um, either through our phone lines or through our Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie, or my Facebook page. Um, And we had kind of a follow-up question over the break as to what is a legume? And so a legume is part of the pea family, um, but some things that fall under legumes uh, are a little bit different than what you would just think about as a pea. So a lot of the beans, um, like pinto beans and chickpeas and those kinds of things will fall under the legume category, um, as well as peanuts um, often. fall fall under the legume category. Um, Lentils as well. And then to to further confuse things, you may hear the word pulse or pulses um, out there, and that's a dried legume. So, you know, if we pick up a bag of dried lentils, those are our pulses. Um, And, you know, they're a really great addition to your diet, even if you're not trying to pull out meat or cut back on meat or animal products. They're just an excellent source of protein, of iron, zinc, um, and fiber, and we've talked about fiber on this show a lot, and that Americans are quite deficient in fiber, and it plays a role in heart health and helping lower our cholesterol, as well as a role in gut health and making our, the bacteria that live in our gut nice and healthy, which helps our immune system, as well as um, helping us have regular bowel movements and decrease our risk of colon cancer. So there's a great, great thing that you can add in um, to your diet and variety. It's the spice of life. All right. We're going to hop on over to the phones and go to Gabriel, who is on the road. Good morning, Gabriel.
0: Hey, good morning. How are you?
2: I am well. How are you?
0: Oh, good. Just heading back to school.
2: Oh, all right. Where are you going? Virginia Tech. Wow, that's a that's a little drive, but excellent. Yeah, what are you studying?
0: Uh, uh, nonprofit management.
2: Fantastic, fantastic. So, what can I help you with today?
0: So, one of the um, concerns I've had about plant-based meats is that I've heard that a lot of them have a high sodium content, and for someone, and I've had some problem with like high blood pressure in the past. And stuff. So, could you talk a little bit about uh, that concern?
2: Absolutely. And it's a great one, and one that actually came up this weekend in um, one of our Facebook groups that we moderate. Um, and so, absolutely. Plant based meats or meat substitutes are usually things, uh, well, it can range. It can be anything from something like a tofu or a tempeh, all the way up to, you know, a hot dog substitute or something like the Beyond Burger or Impossible Burger. Um, you know, different sausages and that kinds of things. And in general, those are not something that I recommend people eat a whole lot of. And the sodium is, is one reason for that. And I'm talking about the ones more on the processed end. Um, you know, tofu and tempeh can, can be, you know, consumed several times a week and be okay. But the more processed plant meats are processed, right? And so my number one rule in, in nutrition or in healthy eating is to eat real food right? So food that you know what it is, and there's not any plants walking around that look like a hot dog. Um, There's there's just not, there's no hot dog tree. And so we have to be very careful about what we're putting in our body, because not everything that is plant-based or everything that is vegan is healthy. And so they can be, those types of products can be helpful for folks who are transitioning Um, from a a meat-based diet to more of a vegetarian or vegan eating pattern. Um, But they should be used as transitional foods and not something that we consume on the regular or for, you know, occasions. You know, if you're having a grill out or something like that and you just want to bring something easy, then you could bring one of those. But the salt content of them are quite heavy as well as the fat content because to be to give the same mouth feel that meat has you got to add a lot of fat to those products to give it that same um, feel in your mouth as well as that same feeling of fullness when you eat it if it was just plant it would be kind of dry and crumbly and and things like that so they're they're not something that i would recommend a routine part of of eating plan but something that can be used sparingly um, for special events or for transition foods so I hope that helped oh, wow. a little bit.
0: Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you. And you might have you? already answered this, but uh, if, if I wanted to start, you know, this diet, where 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 would be a good resource to first go?
2: Absolutely. So one of the uh, best ones out there is Forks Over Knives. So it's probably the oldest documentary out there about plant-based eating, but they also have a meal planner uh, with lots of recipes and that kind of stuff on their website. So it's a good place to start. Um, and then one of my favorite books, even though the name sounds a little a little scary, it's called How Not to Die. And it, it really just goes into the science a little bit more about plant-based eating. Um, and then you can always go to um, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and there's lots of great resources there as well.
0: Cool. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. And happy eating in the plant-based world. It's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Have a good
2: one. You too. Drive safe. All right. Well, that just makes my day. I love when I hear people ask questions about about moving to more plants, not hating on people who are still eating meat. Absolutely not. But just that are curious about how we incorporate more plants into our diet. And it's a really great thing. So I think we'll continue the food food theme a little bit more. Um, I had uh, two come in actually uh, this weekend. And one, it says, if you're craving bread, what's the healthiest way to go? And so I think we need to step back and talk a little bit about the fact that bread is not necessarily bad, right? And we tend to put it in one of those, if I eat bread, I did bad, or I cheated, or, you know, all of these other different kinds of of things there. Um, And you know, I am of the philosophy that we don't put any foods in those categories of bad or cheat or any of those kinds of things because it's just setting us up to think about food in a in a not so healthy way. Um, but we do when we choose bread or baked carbohydrate products like bread or pasta or Uh, waffles or pancakes or any of those kinds of things we want to build our plate smartly meaning we don't need a whole bunch of other starch on that plate at the same time so we don't need grits and waffles that's that's too much right and we don't need potatoes and bread so my go-to when i want a sandwich so if i'm just trying to get a you know a sandwich bread i really like dave's killer bread um they don't pay me anything um but it's good bread it is technically vegan at some brand some varieties of it and I get the thin sliced 70 calorie um, per slice bread and it just it tastes good so that's kind of my go-to on that Uh, but you know you don't have to choose that variety any type of um, whole grain bread is going to be better for you because it's going to have more fiber in it and so the first ingredient on the label when you flip it over on the back should say um, whole something so whole wheat, whole grain, whole oat, something like that, to indicate that that first ingredient is a whole grain. When we see enriched um, on there, that usually means that it was stripped. So the the whole wheat, the outer casing was pulled off of it, and then the vitamins and minerals that were also pulled off when that happened have been added back to enrich the product. So it's not not truly a, a whole grain going on there. Um, but then just in enjoy it and and move on and the second part of the question was um, about butter so they this individual had found the new country crock plant butter that is out there Um, so prior to the release of this there was really the main kind of vegan butter option out there was earth balance Um, and then uh, Mioikos came out with one that's really more of an artisanal type of of butter and then Country Crock, which is a brand we're all very familiar with, came out with this plant butter. And they said, it's delicious. Is it too good to be true? Um, and so, well, that depends on what your truth, what the truth is you're seeking. And so, um, if your goal is weight loss and low fat, then it, it it's not going to meet those criteria, right? It's still a fat. If your goal is to simply pull out animal products, then... It's a great option, right? It is vegan. Is it in my refrigerator? Absolutely. I bake with it um, because I'm, you know, pulling out uh, animal products. Um, But it's still an added fat. And so something that is, it needs to be used sparingly. So we don't just slather everything down in it because it comes from plants. That's not really how it works. I've talked before on the show that um, vegan doesn't necessarily mean healthy. Um, Oreos are vegan, french fries are vegan, Um, and so just adding foods in because they're vegan or eating them because they're vegan is not really a healthy eating pattern. We want to focus on whole foods that are plant-based, and so um, anytime we add a butter to something that is not a whole food, it has been um, been altered, um, so if you're looking for something creamy to spread on your bread, the whole food option of that would be something like a smashed avocado, um, or some peanut butter or something like that would be a more, and really the peanuts would be the wholest option. Um, but that would get you a little, little less processed option there. So, um. If you enjoy it and you need a little pat of butter on something, it's fine, especially if you're trying to um, be animal free, but it's not necessarily a healthier option in terms of fat and calories than any of the other butter spreads out there. So sorry to burst your bubble on that one
1: dr josie bidwell associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at the university of mississippi medical center thanks for listening to the southern remedy healthy and fit podcast if you have a question you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my facebook page healthy habits with josie for ongoing information on staying healthy and fit subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we've been answering your calls and emails and messages this morning. Really, anything goes. If you have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven MPB. Ring. So I have one one last food question that came in, and it, it was really more of a statement. It was asking about um, the onion recall. So I don't know if you've heard about the, about the onion recall. So. Um, There is a recall on pretty much most varieties of onions, white, yellow, red, um, by a distributor called Thompson International. So whenever I see a food recall, when it comes across my screen, I always go to the original source, to the FDA source, to look for details about um, the outbreak just on their website and to see where that product was distributed um, to see if it's even affecting, uh, the, my area. And so this distributor did distribute in all 50 States. So there is the potential for that. The other is I look at the date of the product that was, um, that was affected. And so unfortunately it's a pretty big gap on this. It was a ship date from May 1st, um, to, to current, and it was for, um, potential salmonella. So, you know, a not great um, illness to get. Um, and some that some people actually get hospitalized with that. And so the uh, the public health message on this particular outbreak is if you, you know, look at your onions, if they're in a, in a bag or, you know, something that has a label on it, see if it came from that particular distributor. But if, it, if you don't know, there's not a sticker or a label or anything on there it's probably best to just ditch um, those onions um, and 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 not use those. Um, I think what I would like to highlight about this in particular is uh, food safety and, and food preparation. And something that I don't see a lot of people do is some of the foods that we're going to not eat the outside of, like you're not going to eat the onion peel or you're not going to eat the skin on a avocado or something like that i see people not wash that before they cut it up Um, but anything that you're going to put your knife through and cut through the outside skin into the internal flesh of that food needs to be washed right Um, because you are taking what is on the outside of it and pushing it um, into the to the meat of the of the fruit or vegetable, so to speak. So I wash all my onions. Um, I wash, uh, like my melons, you know, watermelon and that kind of thing. Um, and, and make sure that we get the outside of those things really good and clean your avocados and all that kind of stuff. Not, you know, there's the foodborne illness risk, but then also you don't know who has picked it up. Run all her hands over it, licked on it, sneezed on it, dropped it on the floor, kicked it around, all of those different kinds of things. So you want to give it a good, um, a good wash under running water. Um, I have a little vegetable brush that I keep that I just scrub the outside of things um, with. You can absolutely buy fancy. Um, you know, vegetable wash and those kinds of things. Um, I usually just either do a white vinegar in my water or baking soda um, in there just to get things, things moving and things off of there. So, hope that helped you out a little bit on making sure you wash those fruits and veggies really, really well. All right. Now, the next question I have is a little bit more COVID related, um, but it is one that. I've been asked a ton, as well as dealing with it myself, and so it's about maskne. Do you know what I'm talking about, Kevin? Maskne. It's acne related to your mask, right? And so um, I got a question the other day that said, "My skin is breaking out around my chin. I think it's related to the mask. How can I keep this from happening?" And it is a very common occurrence that we're seeing right now, and. Um, my chin is actually broken out, um, as well from this. And so there's a, you know, a couple of things happening normally our skin, especially in the summer, it's going to, it's going to sweat more We may produce more oils as well. So we we've got that going on and then you've got makeup on top of it. If you're, you know, if you're somebody who wears uh, makeup, but normally our skin doesn't have something or our skin of our face doesn't have something. Sitting right on it and rubbing. Um, But now we've got the the mask on top of that. And so it can kind of trap some of the oil and dirt and and sweat um, and just hold it closer to our face. So, one, it may just irritate the skin. And the other is that it will kind of clog those pores up a little bit more and just make us more prone um, to developing this acne that's really around the chin, around the nose, the, the lower cheek, those kinds of things. And so. And this is even on folks who have not had acne in a a long time are, are kind of breaking out from these kinds of things. And so just like everything we talk about on this show, there's a prevention part of it and then a treatment part of it. Right. So we want to prevent it as much as we can, knowing that we might not be able to to do that. Right. So preventing it is going to be taking really good care of our skin as well as really good care of our mask and choosing a mask to to kind of fit your skin type. Right. So um, we want to start with the cleanest skin possible. So a good wash in the morning time to, you know, if you're not a, if you don't shower or take your bath in the morning, if you do that at night, still need to wash your face in the morning with a gentle cleanser to try and remove any of the oils or things that have settled in your pores during the nighttime. Um, And then, choosing a, a face mask that allows for a little bit of breathability of the fabric. Um, so a cotton face mask is usually gonna be one that is less likely to cause um, that blockage of the pores. Now, that is not for your frontline healthcare workers who are seeing um, patients face-to-face. They are still gonna be wearing the, the synthetic masks um, because those provide the greatest degree of protection when in close proximity to folks. Um, but your everyday mask, which, of course, you can't see me right now, but my mask, um, I'll post a picture later on, I have on a cloth mask um, this morning uh, for that very reason. The second part, um, which some some folks are not going to love, is avoiding makeup um, and really the application of you know, thick um cream-based foundations and that kind of stuff Um, because if you put that on you put the mask on and then you start to sweat that's really just kind of a perfect storm for setting up uh, a a breakout of of pimples in that particular area Uh, I saw someone post that they just did uh, makeup from the nose up that they just did their their eye makeup and that kind of stuff and I mean sure that I but no I'm not I'm just makeup free and that's just the way that I'm going to be for a little while there Um, but that you know that's taking a gamble that you're not going to take that mask off for anything and look look a little strange but you know whatever you want to do there Um, and so when we take the mask off at the end of the day or we're done with it for the day the next piece is to wash it and wash your face so we want those masks to be um, kind of single use, so to speak. You, know, so you don't have to throw away your cloth mask, but it does need to be laundered. Um, I, saw, I heard a dermatologist say the other day, you should wash your mask as frequently as you wash your underwear. So take that for what it's worth, but most folks are going to wash their underwear every day or get a new pair. So the same deal with your mask, a new mask or um, giving it a wash. And you want to wash it with something that's gentle. You know, if it's not, if you have sensitive skin, then you don't want to use some really abrasive, of detergent um, on that uh, and then place it up against your face. You want to make sure that it gets rinsed out really well. And then again, wash your face with a nice gentle cleanser. Um, I like Cetaphil. It's a, you know, nice, um, gentle, unscented type of uh, cleanser that you can do there. And then if you've got uh, an actual outbreak, if you've got some actual pimples that have kind of cropped up, then a spot treatment type of, of acne Um, treatment a lot of those have benzoyl peroxide in them and so if you've got very very sensitive skin that might not be the best option for you because it can be irritating but just a little spot on uh, kind of the the meanest looking of the pimples to kind of try and calm those down so clean face clean mask clean hands don't pick on them don't pick on the pimples and that kind of stuff um, and lay off the the makeup if if you can those are my tips on working about on the mask knee
1: dr josie bidwell associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at the university of mississippi medical center thanks for listening to the southern remedy healthy and fit podcast if you have a question you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my facebook page healthy habits with josie for ongoing information on staying healthy and fit subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app
0: This is an MPB Think
1: Radio podcast.
2: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we have been answering your calls and questions today. We are in the last segment of the show, so you have a few minutes left if you want to get on the phones with us. Our number is one mpb ring It's one All right. Continuing on with some of the messages that I've gotten, and we'll kind of continue on the, the health. Healthy living track for a moment. Had someone tell me that they need new running shoes. Do I recommend any particular brand? And I don't. Um, what I recommend is going to a reputable um, sports store or running specific store. Um, and getting an evaluation and getting measured and fitted for the right kind of shoe. So um, I had never done this before, um, but my son runs cross-country. My oldest son runs cross-country, and it became readily apparent that he needed some running specific shoes, and I had no idea what to buy or how to buy it or what size. So we went to... um, a a running store and they put him on a machine that measured his feet and also measured the way he stands and the way he walked so that they could kind of correct any kind of over pronation of his foot or anything like that to decrease the chance of an injury or from foot pain and that kind of stuff. And that's when I learned that his feet were much bigger than I thought they were. And I felt very bad for clearly under buying shoe size on him for a while because he has some big feet. He's 12. He wears a size nine in men's. So um, I'm going to need... To, I don't know what we're gonna do uh, when he gets to be full grown because he's gonna have some big feet. But um, getting them, getting him measured, was the right, uh, right call, as well as talking to the people about what what our goals were in terms of the shoes. Right, were we just a, a casual runner, somebody who's gonna do more walking and then some light jogging? Were was he training for something in particular? Um, you know, it, if I'm going to train for a 10K, then that's something that I'm going to talk with the, the um, reps in those stores about. And then how to lace the shoe. There are different ways to lace those running shoes, depending on your stance and your, you know, your ankles and those different types of things. So really getting in with someone who knows what they're doing to fit your foot and give you a shoe that, you um, that meets your goals as well as your comfort level is really the way to go on in terms of picking a running shoe because they're quite expensive. So you want to make sure that you uh, you love what you get. Okay. All right. Um, next question is, um, a little bit more of an illness related question. So I woke up with a red swollen area on the base of my finger. I don't remember hurting it or being bitten. It doesn't itch, but it's painful. What should I do? And so, uh, I think we had to ask ourselves a couple of questions. So we don't remember hurting it or being bitten by anything, but that certainly doesn't mean that did not happen. Um, So we need to kind of step back and and think about maybe what you were doing the day before. You know, were you working in the yard? Were you uh, working with wood or something like that? Because oftentimes I'll see a splinter um, has gotten in there and is causing some of the redness and swelling and pain. And so really examining that area. If that is not the case, if you really can't find anything um, there, then we got to look at is the swelling and redness getting worse? Or staying the same or getting better. And one way to do that is to take an ink pen or a marker and kind of draw around the area of redness and swelling. Uh, And then in a couple of hours, take a look and see, is the redness spreading and the swelling spreading beyond that mark? And if it is, then that's time to go ahead and get that evaluated because that can be an infection in there that is kind of spreading through the soft tissue. Um, The finger makes it a little bit more uh, likely that you're going to need to go in and be seen as well, just because swelling around a digit or an extremity um, can cut the blood supply off um, to that to that digit if the swelling um, gets to be too much. So if I see people with increasing pain uh, in the area or numbness or tingling or something like that, then that's a time to go ahead um, and go in and have that. There. All right, we're going to go over to the phone lines and talk with Barbara.
0: Good morning, Barbara. Uh, I called and I, I wanted to know if green peas has protein in it. Green tea? Peas, peas.
2: Oh, green peas, green peas. Um, so, like
0: English peas? Uh, I just want to know if, uh, you know, dry peas and... T- I figure have uh, protein, and I just want to know if the green peas has uh, uh, protein.
2: Yes, so they do have protein. The green peas, especially if we're talking about like an English pea, uh, has a lot of starch as well. And so it tends to be counted more as a starch and less as a protein, but it absolutely does have some protein in it there um, so it can be added uh, in place of a meat but it's not going to give you as much protein as say something like a black bean or a pinto bean or a chickpea or something like that
0: okay what about the peas that you pick out of the garden you know just regular
2: peas, like a purple in? hull pea or a lady pea or something like that
0: that's right yeah
2: those, those are a pretty good source of protein so um, you can add those in I add them in um, I throw them in my salads as well um, for a little protein boost there. So those are a great option. Well, do you
0: cook them to put them in a the salad when you cook uh, just regular peas? Uh, yes, like, ma'am. And you eat them green, yeah. I
2: mean, not cook. No, ma'am. I, no, I cook them. I cook them um, oh. and then just cool them, you know, drain them and cool them. And then I throw them. Um, I love to do black-eyed peas in, like, a grain salad. So maybe I have uh, barley or brown rice and the, the black-eyed peas and then lots of other vegetables in there and some greens and kind of toss that all up together and have a yummy yummy salad there but absolutely I cook it first a little too crunchy for me if I don't
0: oh okay well I never have tried that I had
2: tried them like that yes yes ma'am there's so many different ways to eat eat the bountiful fruits and vegetables that we have available to us so thank you so much for giving us a call this morning All right. And gosh, we've gotten through almost all of um, our questions today. So I want to talk a little bit about the underlying conditions that are affecting people with COVID that are having poor outcomes. I know we have just a few minutes left. And so I want to spend these few minutes talking about the fact that I cannot impress upon you enough the necessity of looking at your overall health and addressing things that are causing chronic disease in your life. When we look at just in Mississippi, we've got a little over almost 1700 deaths. And when we look at the comorbid conditions of folks who have died, um, 54% of them have high blood pressure. Okay? Um, and 35% diabetes, 41% heart disease, 25% obesity. And so those are lifestyle related, um, lifestyle associated uh Diseases, and so really starting to work on the foods that you're eating, your physical activity levels, your stress levels, your sleep—all the things that we talk on this show, talk about on this show, as a way to help your medicines work better. Right. So it's taking your medicines, seeing your healthcare providers, um, but then also setting your body up for the best chance to be healthy by feeding it real food mostly plants exercising as much as you can we don't want to over exercise but really focusing in on those lifestyle factors as they relate to the chronic illness that you may have it's so very very important and we're always here to help you guys do that and answer your questions
1: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.